0: You're listening to the Missionary Perspective Podcast with veteran missionaries, Eric Johnson and Joshua Mead. We're glad you could join us. We trust this podcast will be both a blessing and a challenge as we relate topics in world evangelism from a missionary perspective. Now, here's Josh and Eric. Hey, Eric, how are you today? How's your family doing? How's life in the new year of 2022 in the Dominican Republic?
1: Well, we're super excited. You know, we live in the Caribbean where the weather is very nice right now. In fact, I call this weather time the reason I stay weather, where it's really (laughs) nice. And uh, so it's kind of fun looking back and looking at everybody's photos on Facebook. It's, you know, six to 12 inches of snow and cold. And I just send them pictures of palm trees. And so I'm just so thankful to live in a beautiful country and beautiful weather and uh, enables us to do a lot of activities serving the Lord. So what about you guys? How are things in, in Africa?
0: We're doing great. Uh, we're at We're at a time right now where we're still waiting for the cool weather to come back and to kind of stay for a few months. We'll get around 100 degrees in the daytime and then it'll drop down to about 70 degrees, uh, 75 degrees at night. So it's a big drop, um, quite a big difference. So you'll be chilly at night and then daytime, It's pretty warm, but we're enjoying the weather and uh, we're just, we're enjoying our time here. I just got over being sick for about a week. It was, uh, I don't know, there's a flu going around. Maybe it's COVID. We don't really get tested here much anymore. Yeah, exactly. Some sort of hybrid, who knows, but um, so I finally got over that and uh, just been doing some work around the house. As well as continuing ministry and so excited to get back on we kind of took a week off and uh, did that interview with Matt Goins and I'm excited about some of the future interviews we have lined up other missionaries um, pastors in the States even who have resources to help missionaries um, had a pastor reach out reach out to me recently and he has an awesome resource that he wants to share with churches and missionaries and so I'm looking forward to sharing that in a future podcast and uh, just excited Excited to see how this is growing, and uh, our prayer from the beginning is that this would be a blessing to missionaries. It would be a blessing to those who support missionaries as well as pastors, and uh, just excited to see it continue to develop and grow. And that being said, the topic for today, which really we could cover over the next you know five, six episodes, but we'll see how many episodes we do, but we're going to cover the topic of the family ministry and the family specifically from a missionary perspective every pastor every full-time minister every missionary always has to live in that tension of balancing family life and ministry life and it seems like both of them are always vying for the the premier place the the first place and prioritizing and balancing is not always easy and so I want to ask you this question, Eric, as we get started and this topic of balancing family life and ministry life as a missionary, what do you think should hold the higher priority Ministry or the family?
1: Wow now that's a that's a pretty large question there and uh, one that I'd say every missionary grapples with because you know this this issue of family is probably the most practically speaking uh, important issue that you're ever going to Uh, tackle and deal with with your ministry life and your life in general on the mission field probably any in any part of your life but especially as a missionary because it's going through so much Um, I definitely think when it comes to finding that balance I I never looked at it as one relationship is supposed to be or one category is supposed to be higher than the other Um, we need to keep both of those relationships in close association and you're going to talk a little bit about that uh, a little bit after me but Honestly, I think one of the best ways to understand it is to understand how great of importance each part of our lives is. You know, I'm a Christian, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a husband, I'm a father, um, I'm also a missionary pastor. And instead of having those in maybe bulleted listed priorities, we need to look at having Christ in the center of our lives. And there will be times in our lives when the ministry uh, may come up and the kids and, and the family relationship will have to. Um, kind of work around the ministry, and the same with the family life. Many times, when our kids are sick, you know, that changes the ministry we're going to be able to do. And, and uh, so, when it comes to family and ministry, instead of having a particular list, I think we have to see how Christ is the center. But with that being said, I don't put anything after my walk with the Lord more important in my life than my relationship with my wife and my relationship with our kids. Because, you know, we know from the past, looking at so many um, pastors' lives, missionary lives, where ministry took precedent over a family and many lost their families, lost their kids to the world, lost their marriages. And I think everyone who has observed that, seen that firsthand, not only in history, but up close, I mean, when we're talking about the mission field, may you know, maybe cultural issues sometimes, but the majority of reasons missionaries leave the mission field, in my observance, are usually family matters, and it can be the relationship with the husband and wife, or it can be the problems they have with the kids on, on the mission field, and that is a very difficult thing to talk in a broad sense about. But it just comes back to the importance of finding that balance. And for me, it's not to say the ministry is more important or family is more important. But it is true. If you lose your family, you lose your ministry. And so even though we don't have one maybe necessarily above the other, is how do we work together? And that's what this podcast is about today. Our perspectives and what we've observed and what we've experienced and how we make them work together for the glory of God. Why don't you elaborate as well on that?
0: Yeah, I totally agree. You know, you think you look at the scriptures and you look at the biblical qualifications for an elder, for a pastor, they have to do with your personal character, your walk with the Lord, and it has to do with your family life. Uh, if you cannot lead a family, you have no business as an elder, an overseer of the church, because the ministry... The foundation of ministry is the church. The church of church ministry is family, right? Ministry, a big thrust of ministry is building up families or some aspect of family life. And your family can be blessed by the ministry just as the ministry is blessed by good, solid families. And so it's this relationship um, that they do go hand in hand. And I like what you said, the priority is your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and you walk with the Lord and he will help guide you when you're spirit filled and do how to steward your family responsibilities as well as your ministry responsibilities. Um, and I, you know, what you said, it was important. If you lose your family, you've lost your ministry. How many missionary biographies have you read or how many missionaries do you know that went to a place they started a work, and then maybe somebody they trained took over the work and split the church and took their ministry from them. And what does a missionary do? He takes his family, goes to another area and just starts again. You can lose your work. Somebody else can come and betray you and take your work away, but you can still just go start over. You lose your family. You don't get to just pick a new family and start over in ministry. Okay. So you have to keep Exactly. And so you have to keep those things in mind that really they, they bleed in together. A good elder, a good pastor is going to steward his family and make his family, uh, a priority in his stewardship just as much as he would others. Um, I would do a lot of interrogation whenever I traveled, um, on furlough, on deputation. If I was in a Bible college, I would always find where the missionary kids were. And I would ask them questions because as I was preparing for the mission field, I wanted to know how to be a good father on the mission field. And so I would try to find the missionary kids that were in Bible college, that had a heart for the Lord, that didn't turn out bitter and upset about their whole situation, you know, having been missionaries and this and that. And um, I would ask them, is there something that stands out in your mind that your parents did that kept you from becoming bitter over being uprooted and, or even growing up in a foreign culture, foreign to where you are now, what helped, what did they do that you can think of that of kept you from avoiding this uh, developing a a heart to turn away from the Lord and, and uh, be bitter and all that. Every one of them had different, you know, they had different, uh, responses, but the top response was this. Our family always prioritized time as a family. We did ministry together as a family. Uh, we did outreach together as a family, but every one of them made this one statement. Okay. Every missionary kid, I would, ha- I would ask, they would say, yes, they had, they were together as a family. They, they did ministry together, but there was this one key element. I noticed each of them would say, they said in our dad, always had time for us. We always knew he was approachable and available for us whenever we needed him. And that to me was such a big deal. I, I really made sure that was ingrained that my door is always open because I've, I've seen missionaries who, whether it's out of guilt, because when you're on the mission field, you do have more of, you have more freedom to serve as a family, especially if you're isolated, you're in a place where there's few other missionaries. Uh, it's just you and the family and that can be precious time together, ministering together as a family. You almost have to go out of your way to not spend time with your family on certain mission fields, you know? And sometimes, you know, I've, I've met a missionary too, that maybe they felt guilty because the the background they came from emphasize the work of the ministry like was basically hours you put in and if you weren't putting in 80 hours a week separate from your family in the ministry you're not doing the work of the ministry and these guys that I'd met that I I they almost were, would go out of their way To be isolated and not spend time with their family and i thought that's just such a disappointment to see you don't have to do that it's not one over the other i remember uh having a we were in california and uh, uh visiting a church and we were driving The pastor asked me if I could drive him to the airport the next day because I was heading that way. And it's a well known pastor. He's he's well known, especially for speaking on the family and um, just an excellent Bible preacher. Um, some might know him. His name's Jim Shetler. Uh, he was the pastor of the church there in Pensacola for a while. He's out in California now, and uh, just a great preacher. And so I was asking him different questions. And it's funny. The first question he asked me the first question as we're driving. He said, "Josh." He said, now, what do you do uh, to spend to, to make your family prioritized on the mission field? I said, man, that's a question I was going to ask you, <laughs> like, you know, what do you do? And so we began talking, and uh, one of the things he said, and this is kind of what you mentioned, he said, you don't prioritize one over the other. Ministry is not prioritized over the family, and the family is not prioritized over the ministry. They're a relationship that go hand in hand. And he said, sometimes the ministry will be prioritized over the family. He said, let me give you an example. He said, if I tell my children, my wife, this Friday, we're going to go uh, out to ice cream and we're going to go to a ball game, let's say. If I tell them we're going to do that, and I like what he said, he said, I never make promises, I make plans. And so we would plan to do something, um, but if I got a phone call you know, an hour before we planned to leave for this outing as a family that a member of the church had died and I needed to be at the hospital immediately. Well, he said, the ministry prioritized this plan that I had made with the family, but he said, be sure to do this, Josh. He said, my family knew, and we had, we had a policy that if something came up, where the ministry had to be prioritized over a family outing and we had to cancel that family outing. He said that my family knew that the next week we would double down on whatever it was we were planning to do. So we would, instead of let's say we we were going to go to the beach on Friday. Well now, because I had to do this ministry thing next week, we're going to go stay overnight in a hotel somewhere and spend two days. And so he said, we got to a point where my kids almost wanted something to come up so that they could get double, you know, double the prize. And so I thought it was, yeah, I thought that was really good advice. And so the more I thought about those things he was sharing, um, the more I thought, well, how, how, how could you define that sort of relationship? And two words, as I was looking at really came up, we, we've we've heard the word synergism a lot. You know, when we talk about teams, you want that synergistic energy. Um, and I think the family and ministry, it's really, there, there's two words that define it. It's a symbiotic relationship. It's a synergistic relationship. Sym- symbiotic relationship, define, symbiotic simply means, yeah, it simply means, something that is involving interaction between two different organisms that live in close, close physical association. Uh, when it comes to people and relationships, it denotes a mutually beneficial relationship between two people groups. And so when it comes to ministry, it is symbiotic with ministry and family. These are two relationships, two things that you are called to steward as a pastor, as a missionary, um, that they both function hand in hand. And then synergistic. So not only do family and ministry live in the same environment, you don't have ministries if you don't have families. And if you don't have a family, you can't have a ministry. Now, that's not to say single people can't minister, but in the context of the whole ministry of the church, right? you're dealing with family units. Okay. That family units make up the ministry, whether it's somebody who's single, a married couple, a couple with children, a retired couple with no children, grandchildren, whatever it may be, we're dealing with family units. And so These are two things that live in the same environment of Christian living. And then synergism simply means the interaction or the cooperation of two or more organizations, substances or agents that produce a combined effect greater than the sum of their separate parts. And so that's where we come back to family and ministry. You don't really prioritize one over the other. They can both empower each other and they can both bring harm to each other, right? If you distort one and and place too much of an emphasis over one, uh, then it can hurt the other. They exist in the same environment, yet they're distinctive from each other, yet they have equal importance, right? The ministry is just as important as the family. The family is just as important as the ministry, but you can't neglect one to the detriment of the other, uh, neglect one and emphasize the other. They have to function in harmony as God designed And when they function together, I believe they will produce an effect that's far greater in their sum uh, of their separate parts. And so we are working together to try to balance those two. Now, the question is, how do you do that? You know, what are some practical aspects we've established now? I think pretty well that both ministry and family are important. They are based on your relationship with Jesus. You established that well you have to walk with the Lord. If you don't have a personal walk with the Lord, if you're not growing in your personal spiritual life, um, then both your ministry and family are going to hurt from it. Let's get into some more practical aspects. Okay. Um, cause there's, we're going to get into some practical aspects and then I want to finish up with kind of what makes ministry and family life in the mission field unique. Okay. But let's get into more general terms. And again, this is coming from a missionary perspective, but I think it can, it can really help anybody because Sunday school teachers, you know, you're balancing family life and the ministry God's given you bus director, a bus worker. Th- these are things I think can apply to all of us who want to serve the Lord and yet be good stewards of our family, whether we're husbands, wives, uh, or whatever. So let's get into some more practical aspects specifically on, you know, from a missionary perspective. What are some ways in which uh, you, Eric, have written down or that you've put into practice of of really helping to balance to missionary life, ministry and the family?
1: Well, I think something that needs to kind of be maybe put out here as well, for those who are listening, both Josh and I have the perspective and the, I think, in a way advantage that as our families uh, grew, as our children were born, um, many cases, they were either born on the mission field or, you know, spent the majority of their lives on the mission field. And so, it is a perspective that's going to be different that we're going to talk about a little bit later on. Maybe when you bring a family uh, along at a different stage in life. And so, my kids have known nothing but living here. Three of the four were born here. And so, in some sense, I've had that advantage where this is all they know. But that being the case, bringing them along. And to do ministry, I will say in the in the beginning part of the stages, as they were babies, there was a lot more obstacle. There were a lot more obstacles because of childcare and you know just a lot of missions work I had to do by myself while Holly was having the kids get to a certain stage. But with that being said, the kids, to be honest, have been one of the greatest ways of attraction to our ministry. Uh, for instance, if I'm out. Canvassing or knocking on doors, you know, I'm kind of a goofy looking white dude, and people are kind of looking at me strangely. But boy, if I got a couple beautiful little, they call them rubios here, blondies, <laughs> even though my kids aren't necessarily blonde, they call them rubios. Uh, they are very interested. What's going on here? Or one of the things we've done frequently, and this is mostly pre-COVID, we don't do this as much now just because of the culture. Unfortunately, it's a little, a little um, antsy about uh, COVID, but we would go to city parks and we would go and we bring our tracks, our invitations, and the kids would play in the playgrounds and other kids and families, but hey, who are these guys? And they would go over and they would talk to our kids and they really enjoyed interacting, maybe putting a few of their Spanglish words out there and our kids talking to them. And it really knocked down barriers. And we could talk to families, invite families, explain to them what was going on in our church. And we really emphasized with our kids, hey, listen, you are a part of the team. You are helping us get in that front door to these people's lives and their hearts because you're just being kind. You're showing a smile. You're playing on a slide with a little girl, or a little boy. And very early on, making them understand, you know, it's not dad. It's not dad and mom. It's all of us together working uh, to see people come to know Jesus Christ and grow in the Lord. And so that's how we would incorporate them early on as young kids. Now, as they are growing now, they, you know, because they speak the language and uh, because they are saved and they're baptized and they've grown up and been discipled now, now we're hitting some stages where they actually really are helping in the ministry. But I think early on, just always making them known, this is not just dad's calling. It's not just dad and mom's calling you know, we're, we're a family here together. Now I know we'll talk about a little later on, that might be difficult. If you come into that at a stage where kids are older, and we'll talk about that. But for that missionary who maybe has their kids growing up on the mission field, my advice with balancing it is making sure that the kids know that we need your help. You're a part of this. You are, you know, a part of helping us see other people come into the uh, kingdom of God. And I think kids really get excited about that. I think you're going to talk a little bit later on about interacting with them and I think the more we can talk to our kids and and explain to them their role and how it is important um, but also have that open door policy because you know I, I'm thinking of an instance where we did go to a ball field one time Zach and I and I always try to take advantage of that and talk to the adults there and tell them who we are and what we're about but Zach likes to play baseball well this time it was an unfamiliar and Zach is a very outgoing person he is not shy by any stretch but for whatever reason it was very overwhelming that day there were like 50 to 60 kids and a lot of them just kind of kind of rushed up on him or touching his hair and it's like they had never been around in American, which wasn't necessarily the case in some of the other ball fields and i could just tell right away he was overwhelmed and he was almost brought to tears and I say, hey, buddy, we don't have to stay here. That's you know, I understand. We'll go find another place. And so, as a parent, you don't want to be pushing your kid to do something they're not comfortable with in the culture. But as they grow up and feel comfortable in the culture, I would make much of the things they're learning and and say, hey, yeah, I know I know missionaries who maybe came to the mission field in their 40s, maybe middle 40s, and didn't learn the language as well and have a difficult time calling up and ordering things on, on the telephone and they'll get their kids who you know didn't even have language studies that, that quickly picked up the language and their kids will pick up the telephone and they'll call and the people on the other side think they're national uh, kids. And so I think parents, when it comes to that interaction with ministry and family, and we're going to talk a little bit more practical ways we can do fun and, and th- those kinds of things. But really, as far as the, that symbiotic relationship, I think it's just constantly telling the kids how useful they are in fact i'll I'll give one example before josh talks is i remember specifically we went to this one family's house and their kids were very unruly i mean they they just were so distracting and we had our kids with them and they knew how to take those kids to the side and just play with them and holly and i had a chance to talk to the couple and they they got saved that day and as we drove away we were talking about how wonderful it was that this family got saved this couple. But we really emphasize, Holly and I, how the kids were a part of that because they were able to keep that distraction away from the parents and the parents could clearly hear the gospel. And I could just see their, their chest puffed out like, wow, we're missionaries too. And so I think those are maybe some practical ways that we've tried to implement that in our life and our family.
0: Yeah, I like what you said about that. Let them get involved in areas of ministry. Uh, let them know they're involved, that they're just as much a part. but don't push them beyond their, you know, boundaries of their comfort zone. And so a lot of times people say, you know, missions is about getting outside your comfort zone, which it is, but you got to pace yourself. And I tell this to missionaries getting to the field, just moving from the States or Canada to the mission field, you're stepping outside your comfort zone. And so you need to be challenged. You need to try new things, whether you're husband, wife, or kids, but but pace yourself. Don't let yourself get so overwhelmed. And I think that's a big key too, um, that one of the stress factors and can even be, um, what do you call it? The, um, uh, missionary shock, you know, culture shock. A big part of it is getting over, becoming overwhelmed, your sensory overload of everything that's new. And we are going to talk about uh, toward the end, a little bit about what makes family and ministry life dynamic and what makes it unique on the mission field. Um, but part of that has to do with that you're you're dealing with so many differences, and not only that, but going back to the states, right? And one of the big things is it is I think easier to keep your family involved on the mission field. Then it might be going back to the states. It can almost sometimes, if your kids grew up on the states, like or in, on the mission field, like our kids did, it can be more overwhelming for your kids going back to the states than it can be on the mission field. We first went back, and um, our son had never been around as many white people at once as when we first went back, right? Like he just, he was two months old when we got to the mission field and he was about three years old when we went back to the States for the first time. And we went to a church and there was just, he was overwhelmed by just so many white people and he, found like there was like one black guy in the church and he found him and re- went right up to him and it was almost like hey i know you like can you can you please help me out here it's too many white people and so it took a while for him to get used to that and so i like what you said it's it's your kids are involved just the other day we go every week we try to go out and there's this guy who uh grills meat on the side of the road outside of his house. And uh, he sells it for, you know, I think it's 20 cents for a shish kebab type of uh, meat, brochette of meat. So we'll go and buy a bunch of meat from him. And our son the other day said, Hey, can we take him something? Can we make him some banana bread or something and take him a tract? And so anytime our kids have ideas like that, we jump on it. And so we, we put a, my wife made some banana bread. We put a track there and took it over and I got a picture with them and everything. And so he was so excited. The guy said, Hey, can I, let's get a picture. This is a big event. And then he said, uh, Hey, I want to give you something back in return. And my son said, okay. He said, next time you come, I'm going to have a grilled pigeon ready for you. (laughs) My son said, okay. (laughs) All right. Grilled pigeon. Uh, So anyways, we uh, it's definitely, yeah, it's, (laughs) <laughs> I I asked a missionary kid one time. We were at a field conference for our mission agency, and uh, the the son he was a teenager, uh, no, I guess yeah, eighteen or nineteen, had just graduated from uh, high school, was in his first year of Bible college, and his plan is to return to work with his dad in the ministry here in West Africa. So I asked him when he drove me to the airport. Just I kind of grilled him, interviewed him. What are some things your parents did? What are some things your your dad did that? you know, helped cultivate your desire to return to the field. And one of the things he said was my family and my dad never made it pressured me that this is something like it was expected of me, that you have to become a missionary like we are. Um, you know, it wasn't, there wasn't that pressure put on another thing he said that his, his dad did. He said, I always knew my dad was on my side. He said, when you're know, when you on the mission field, you're growing up, you are the outsider. And so, th- and this is, some of the advice we're giving, it seems like common sense, but I'll say this, when you get busy in the ministry, you can get so distracted with ministry and things that you forget there are certain things you have to be intentional about that we don't communicate, that we just assume. Of course, I'm on my kid's side. But he said my dad would intentionally communicate that to us, that we knew he's on our side, he's got our back, and if something goes even in my rebellious stage, he said, I knew my dad had my best interests at heart. And that has to do with how you show your love, how you communicate transparency, and how you discipline. Um and that has to do just with being empathetic, compassionate, but you know having discipline as well. Another thing he said was, um, and this just, this kind of struck me. I also put this into practice. He said that when my father disciplined us or when my mom and dad disciplined me, and I thought this was interesting. He said there was always one thing that they never took away from us. So if we got grounded, if they said, okay, you don't get to play video games on the weekend. You don't get to do this. He said, there was always at least one thing that we were both good at, that was productive and that we enjoyed that they would never take away from us no matter what. And he said that that was helpful. And and for them, it was basketball. They, they loved playing basketball. Uh, sports can be productive for your health and it was, you know, good for interaction. And so he said, no matter how much trouble we would get in, he would never take that away. And, uh, for some reason that stood out to him as something that was important. And so I've made some application of that in our own life when we discipline our kids. And then the last thing that, uh, this young man told me was my dad just made sure we were always together. So if we were back home, um, if we traveled, you know, he tried to make sure we were together and, uh, we just, you know, for school events, he just tried to set up his schedule to where we were together as much as possible. And I think that's important too, not just on the mission field, but back on furlough. Again, it can be overwhelming for your kids that grew up on the field when they first get back on furlough. And so l- learn to be there for your kids as much as you are uh, on the mission field, as much as you are when you're back in the States. And that goes with your wife as well. Of course, you need to be there for both transitions. Now, is there anything else you wanted to add? Because I, I want to get into as we close what makes family life and ministry life dynamic, uh, unique on the field, but what did you want to add there, right?
1: Yeah, I think, I think one thing that you're kind of talking about some things that we are saying are common sense and obvious. Um, I've tried to notice in our kids as they're getting older, we have a 13, 14, well, almost 14-year-old, 12-year-old, 10-year-old, and uh, almost eight-year-old. Oh, wait a minute. She, yeah, almost eight. And, and um, I know one of the most important things for them to feel secure here in the mission field. And I know this seems so obvious, but I just feel like if I don't say it, it's stupid is to show your children, how much you love your wife mm-hmm. is to show them how important mom is and that you are going to take care of not only their needs and protect their needs and help them out when they don't feel, you know, when they feel vulnerable or whatever, but it's to always show them how much you love mom. And I just know that when I'm hugging on Holly and I'm kissing on Holly and I'm you know holding her hand, I'm showing, I'm helping out, you know, whatever way it is, you can see they're picking up on that. And they're saying that's, we have a good family that way. And that's make, make me, doesn't mean I don't mess up a lot of times, but I can tell that energy that's there is because they feel, oh, this is the proper way we do this. And, um, <laughs> I'm not, I'm going to say this, and people are going to. Uh, there's certain pastimes that men have that take hours and hours away from the family. Be very careful of that. Um, if you have a hobby or pastime, that's great. But if you can have it be one that you can include your children in, your boys in, you know. And uh, I just think that that the family time is not just okay. We have this planned, but it is really. It's got to be true. It's got to be something you enjoy doing. I remember. When Holly and I went on deputation, it's so funny how we prepared in our minds all the practical things, but we never thought about, and I'm glad for this, we're going to be together 24 hours a day. I mean, there were, you know, since that time we got married, there have been very few times in our lives, you know, very few times where we've been apart. And you better sure like that person and enjoy them. And it's the same thing with your kids. You need to train your kids right so you enjoy being around them because you're going to be around them a lot. And I think the more you can just have quality time together where you're laughing and and, and doing silly things, it, it just, it seems so simple, but it's so important.
0: You're right. It is on the mission field. Every little problem gets just magnified because of cultural differences. And if you're going through culture shock, and I'll be honest, if Julie was sitting here, we would both share. There are times when I have not responded correctly to tension you know, that's between me and her and uh, frustration. And when that is displayed in front of our kids, that's when I can see it in their faces that it's the biggest struggle for them. They need that security And they need to know that your family is secure, that your wife is secure in your love. And when I see, when my kids see me hugging on Julie and and that open display, they're not old enough yet where they get grossed out by it. I see their eyes light up. They love it that they know that me and Julie are good. And that means everything's all right. I wrote this down. Because I think it's important when you're on the mission field, you have to be intentional in everything you do, because there are so many things, little details get amplified, little problems get magnified. And there's so many distractions in your mind is going through so many things because you're thinking in two different languages. In our case, it's three languages every day that we're working with. You have all different cultural issues you're dealing with. Plus you're dealing with churches. It's like the apostle Paul says, beside all those things which come at me from without the care of all the churches. Like there's, it's overwhelming sometimes that we, we forget to be intentional in how we are stewarding our family, not only our wives, our husbands, but our um, you know, wives and their husbands, husbands, wives, but with our children. And I think the biggest problem is that, and I wrote this down as one of the main points for a healthy family ministry relationship is be intentional in cultivating transparency in your family. You need to create an environment. And I've worked hard on this and I've been intentional from the time our children were young, not just to discipline them. And I I might talk about that in a minute about a missionary had to help me out with some discipline issues with my kids. And but that was in our story. But not only are you trying to be a good disciplinarian and, and training your kids, but you need to cultivate an atmosphere of transparency. Okay, you need to make it so that your children not only feel comfortable coming to you with their problems, but that they they feel free to openly dialogue with you concerning their frustrations. All right. Kids are going through situations, especially the older they get. They need to know that they can come to you with their frustrations, with their problems, with their issues that they're facing without feeling like, well, If I bring this up to my dad, maybe he'll think it's reflective of him or his ministry, and so I better just keep it to myself and internalize it. You know, maybe your kid doesn't like a certain thing going on in the ministry, and, well, I don't want to hurt my dad and his ministry. How many times I've heard stories of families that had to quit the ministry. And the wife said, well, I felt like I could never bring this up because it would hurt his ministry or his kids say, well, I felt like I was being detrimental to his ministry. And I hate that. This is the Lord's ministry. OK, this is how I, I view it. This is the Lord's ministry. And he's given me family and he's given me church to minister to. He's given me a people to evangelize. He's given me a family to oversee. That is the ministry. All of that. I am a steward of those three things, my church, those lost that I need to evangelize and my family. And each of those play an essential role in my life. I'm going to give just as much time to each of them. And if I'm not intentionally developing all of them, how many books do you read about how to better evangelize, how to better church plan, how to better do this in ministry, how to be more effective in this. And we neglect the family. We don't cultivate and grow in the family. And so I would say that you need to, develop transparency. Your kids need to be able to openly discuss their issues. You need to be able to discern between a, a rebellious spirit and a spirit that's just hurt or maybe is struggling. And you've got to learn. You don't want your kids or your wife, even your wife needs to be able to be transparent with you about her frustrations and her difficulties without you blowing your top and saying, well, you know, you just, this is my ministry and we're going to go with it. Anyways, And your kids, and I'll finish with this, and you can add some points uh, before we finish up, but your kids need to see the reality of Christianity lived out in your home, okay? It's more to me, it's more than just practicing what you preach. It's being intentional in the way we display and analyze our behaviors and our responses to every situation. And so when you face something in the culture, if there's an incident of anger Maybe there's some road rage you dealt with, a bad attitude. If it's either in myself or my kids displayed this anger outburst, this attitude, we don't just say, ah, that was wrong. Sorry. We sit down and analyze, okay, what, what brought about that angry? Why was I wrong? And I do the same thing when I do wrong as the father, I sit down with my kids. I'll say, not only was I wrong, this is why my response was wrong. This is what made me angry. This is why it was not justified for me to behave this way. And I'm going to change it in the future so that I honor Christ. That is so key. And I'll finish with this. I read a book once. It was a testimony that D.L. Moody's son gave. Okay. D.L. Moody's son wrote this and he said, as well known as my dad was, and you know, there, there were big shoes to fill. He said, there was one particular incident as a teenager that solidified for me that what my dad believed was real and that he practiced what he preached. And he said, I was a teenager and he said, somebody something happened and I got blamed for it. And he said, I didn't do it. And it wasn't my fault. And he sent, he sent me to my room and basically punished me and and gave me this punishment. But I was, he said, I wasn't guilty. It wasn't my fault. I went to my room after my dad, DL Moody, after he investigated, what had actually happened and found out he was wrong. He said he came into his son's room. He got on his hands and knees and he said, I was wrong to respond that way and to unjustly punish you this way. And like he went through this whole thing, confessing and his vulnerability, why he was wrong and asking, he said he asked me for my forgiveness. And he said, that's where I knew, okay, my dad truly believes and practiced this because he's going to humble himself to his child. He didn't have to ask his child for forgiveness. He doesn't have to justify himself to me, but he did. And he said that for me solidified that this is the, I'm going to follow in this footsteps. I'm going to, you know, live the Christian life. And so for me, if there's any takeaway from this, from this uh, episode here, To me, it's important to cultivate an atmosphere of transparency in your home so that you deal with issues as they arise. You don't want anybody internalizing these issues in your home, these problems, these changes that are taking place. And then it just blows up and you're left like, what happened? I, I thought we were all doing good. I thought everything was all right. So be intentional in cultivating transparency and openness and biblically responding to problems in your home.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more, especially that part about transparency and humility. Um, We make it a priority in our church to emphasize the family. We'll talk about that a little bit later as far as practical steps. But one of the things I try to encourage the men in our church and the leaders of the families is to say, you have to be willing to ask forgiveness of your kids when you make mistakes The kids are so forgiving. Kids, I think, hold on to bitterness when they see someone living a double-minded life, when they see someone being a hypocrite. But if you're able to admit your mistakes and say, listen, please forgive me, I want to do better in this. It's not that you've given your kids to be rule over you. It's just humbling yourself to be Christ-like, that uh, Philippians 2, humbling yourself and saying, listen, I've made a mistake. Uh, I'm trying to teach you to do right. And I made this error. Please forgive me. In our in our lives, we've seen that. And, and as we try to teach that, also model it to our church members. Makes the greatest impact, I think, in kids believing that what my parents believe is real, it's changing their lives, it's showing their difference between them and the world. And, and that transparency also may also come into play when it comes to family decisions that need to be made. We had a very big thing happen in our life about a year ago when we found out we thought we were going to have to leave the house we were renting for over 12 years. And there were just a lot of decisions that had to be made. And once the kids were kind of clued in on that, we brought them into the decision-making. Now the kids weren't going to have a majority decision, but they had a lot of say in it. We wanted to get their input. And ultimately the Lord allowed us actually to purchase our home, which was a great blessing. And, but Mm -hmm. I know from that day on, especially they felt really, really part of the decision-making process. And so There have been other things that have come up over the years as well, where when it's proper, we'll clue them in and ask their opinions and try to gain some advice that way, because we want to know how they really truly feel about it. And they know we're going to make the best decision for the family, but they have a say in the matter. And I think... It's just so important uh, to do all those things. And Josh and I are talking about this because we've, we've made these mistakes and we're trying to write them down and, and put them in a podcast form. So when we, when we have a problem here in a few weeks, we can go back and listen <laughs> to it. Oh yeah, I, I didn't do that. You know, yeah, we, exactly. don't, we don't come from a point of, point of view that we, we've conquered these, but these are what we've learned through good examples, uh, trial and error. And uh, I hope these have been some uh, specific principles to encourage you today.
0: Exactly. I think we're going to close out there. We're kind of coming up to our hour mark. There's so much more left to cover. There's an article that I read. It was really good about discussing transitions um, on the mission field and how specifically, specifically the husband needs to um, recognize the burden and the, the really the difficulty that those transitions can be. One of the questions we're going to ask, and maybe this is what we'll talk about next week, is what makes ministry and family life unique to the mission field. And I think one of, if you're going to summarize it in just one thought, it would be cross-cultural transitions. Uh, any pastor in the States that goes through a major transition, you know, that's where the pressure point is going to come from with a family, your wife, and balancing family and ministry and things like that. Anytime a ministry grows, it's going to put more pressure and time constraints on the pastor or the the church leader. But when you add in you're you're in another culture you're in another language, it just it, like I said earlier, it magnifies little problems, and if we're not intentional in how we deal with those problems, then it can create issues that your family, your kids, your wife internalize and don't even know how to express sometimes, or if you're the type of guy, and this is kind of what spurred it on is as I heard somebody. Uh, a missionary recently was had said that to him, the ministry was more important than his family. And it just broke my heart to hear, and there are guys that feel that way, that my ministry takes precedent over my family. I don't know how you come to that conclusion biblically, but it's out there. And that's kind of what spurred us wanting to discuss this topic is that, like you said at the beginning, If you lose your family, you don't have a ministry anymore. You can lose your ministry and still have your family and go start a ministry somewhere else. And so I think in next week, we're going to look a little bit more in detail about some of these specific challenges of learning to balance ministry and family life uh, through the transitions that come with being a missionary. Uh, I think you were gonna chat a little bit about transitioning back to the states. Um, there might be a future podcast interview, some missionaries who've done that. So I think over the next uh, f- you know month or two, we're gonna bring this topic up quite a bit, uh, whether it's me or you chatting about it. Um, I know I wanted to go in detail about um, family life and teenagers on the mission field, whether your kids just hit their teen years. Uh, whether it's transitioning your teenagers back to the States. I know we want to talk about that. Or whether it's if you feel called to be a missionary and your kids are teenagers, should you wait till your kids graduate to go to the mission field? These are all important topics I think that we we need to address and chat about. And so we'll uh, we'll touch on those topics in the coming future. And if you have any questions or areas that you think uh, you would like us to hear us talk about on the missionary perspective podcast about family or mission life. I appreciate those who've already uh, gave us some input about family life and and ministry uh, online and a couple groups we're in. We've had some people reach out to us, give us some great insight. So like Eric said, what we're talking about today is not just stuff we've put into practice, but it's, we've talked to other missionaries, missionaries who've mentored me, have helped me to develop this philosophy of how we're trying to raise our kids. And, uh, we're just trying to do what pleases the Lord as we fulfill his calling in our life.
1: Yeah. Josh couldn't agree more. I look forward to discussing this topic in the next few weeks. Um, there are two passions in my life that I've tried to implement in our church is a passion for missions and a passion for the family. And, uh, I think so many times they actually do, they're intertwined. Uh, they don't have to be separate topics. And, um, I really enjoy, I really encourage men to be active in the lives of their children. Like you mentioned, having that open door policy where they can approach them and talk to them about things. Boy, when you treat your kids um, maybe older than they are and and try to talk to them maybe like young adults and explain things to them, I feel like, at least in our case, kids really respond well to that. And uh, you show them how much you love them And you, sometimes I have to say to them, like I do, hey, I can't tell you everything about the situation. I can't explain every detail. Uh, You're not old enough, but the things I can explain to you are these. I think that really helps kids know that mom and dad are looking out for me and they're not trying to hide things from me. They're trying to protect me. And boy, I sure love being a dad and being a husband. And I look forward to hearing more from people out there who have questions or comments or things that we have missed or skipped over or things to consider. So thanks so much for everyone who's listening. And uh, this is Eric Johnson from the Dominican Republic.
0: Joshua Mead from Senegal, West Africa. Thank you for following and listening to this podcast. Be sure if you're watching the video, like it, share it, share our Facebook page. We also have a YouTube page. Go over there and subscribe and uh, you can follow us on YouTube. Uh, we also have, uh, whether you're on Apple podcast, wherever you're able to leave a review, go ahead and leave a review, a comment that helps us in the ratings to just get the word out Five stars. there. That's right. Five stars. Let's do it. Let's do it. And uh, so great. We appreciate your time and uh, you have a great day. God bless.